there's the clap. And that clap means we're back and we're doing another episode, which is technically... And better than ever. And better than ever. And more drunker or whichever, somewhat buzzed. Either way, having a good time. That was a bourbon spritzer, which is a very deadly drink, but really good. <laughs> um, speaking of which, Knob Creek <laughs> goes down easy. Still haven't gotten sponsored, but we're still trying really, really hard. But yeah. welcome to episode 31. I didn't bother to look at it. 32, I think, actually. Because I was going to say 32 with the last one into two, but I wasn't sure if that was like... Is it, does that count as another episode number, or is that to, to be continued? Yeah, I'm actually I'm curious if if you've made it this far in the podcast, <laughs> which is like a minute. <laughs> do you like when we break up the podcast? Do you prefer if like there are a three hour thing that they were breaking into two or three chunks, or do you just want it to be one long chunk? Yeah. Well, most spherical yeah. spherical agenda was about three hours, and yeah, I just posted yep. it as it is. But then the Matt Hollenberg one, we broke up. Yep. We and broke up, and he won't call me anymore now. <laughs> <laughs> He's probably too busy recording another album. Well, so. <laughs> three more albums, yeah. <laughs> yeah, since the last time we talked. <laughs> that, was, that was a great interview. It was good. All yeah, I went fun. down, when I made that thing, I went and I listened to so much Matt stuff. This is so good. Like There's like an endless amount of... And it's all different. It's all too. different and like super well done. Mm-hmm. It's not like, oh, like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Let's just put something together. It's ne- none of it's that. It's all yeah. like very intricate, lots of time, effort spent on the sound design of it, the production, the songwriting, the, the whole nine yards is amazing. It's really incredible. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's people that spend an entire life to do one of those albums, and it would be really impressive. <laughs> Yeah. And he does one like every month. <laughs> and then just last week, he <laughs> drops another album. So now the, the prolific the, that level of proficiency in writing and consistency is crazy. I mean, it's it's great. It's yeah. I I can't wait to have him on again. But you know, I don't want him to to interfere. I don't want to interfere with his album creation. <laughs> Because I want that new cleric. He's like, yeah, I would have, uh, we would have put it out, but you know, the Whittier and Meta, they keep bothering me. <laughs> exactly. And everybody gets mad at us. Because I said, Great. <laughs> Dislike. We're with boycotting. Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> boycotting what? It's just the two of us. We don't have the sponsors yet. Knob Creek. I'm going to keep that Meta going for a while. <laughs> See what happens. You should have pulled that card out with Matt. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. But uh, we didn't. <laughs> So there's been a lot of stuff that happened like outside of the uh, interviews that just like music world in general. So uh, Leprous's new album came out, yeah. uh, which is fantastic. Uh, I really came out like the same it. day as my new album. I think we didn't. Did we talk about that? Yeah, we did talk about that. Yeah, yeah, we, we did. did. No, it came out on a Friday. I thought the 27th Mine or something. Came out on a Friday. I think it's coming on the 20th. Maybe 27th or after. Probably should know. Yeah, but I remember thinking, oh, wait, there's the same day or something. Anyway. Yeah, they interfered. They cut into your sales. Damn it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what we tell. And other lies we tell ourselves. But Tim's album is obviously great. There's no doubt about it. But going back to the Leprous thing. Yeah, so Leprous came out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, I thought it was great. You know, we had our disagreements. Like you thought the, the singles were the weakest ones on the track, on the album. And I happen to love the singles. But I, honestly, after like the third or fourth listen, it was like, no, I can see that. 
like it, I think the album's great. Yeah. It, it never ceases to amaze me their pop sensibility and the sense of hooks sure. that just kind of <laughs> come out there from out of nowhere from what I would expect, you know. And uh, I really like the guy's voice voice range. Like he's just got yeah. Some, sometimes his voice there. irks me a little. And I think that's the first single came out, and I'm trying to remember what which one that was. Um, he gets this like quality, yeah. like this like nasal quality that he does. Running low. That's it. That was the first one. Yeah, and he, he kind of like rah, rah, yeah. kinda, this kind of sound about it, and uh, <laughs> just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm always like, oh, like that's not the. I don't know. It kind of wears on me a little bit, but. Uh, yeah, the, it's an impressive album. I really love the string arrangements through all of it yeah. too. They're really well done. Doesn't this? Is it the lead singer that does the strings? Like it no, plays? They, they actually have a cellist, I think. Okay, but then uh, on the album, so they tour with a cellist. I'm assuming the cellist probably does the arrangements, and then they okay. must pull in more strings, or maybe that yeah. cellist does all the strings. I'm not sure. Yeah, on maybe. the recordings, but also their, their drummer. I love the drummer. The drummer's amazing. Oh yeah, that's what I was about to say. Like their drummer, it, he's the guy that got me hooked on the band. You know, oh, once yeah. I'm watching that the, the sky is red video, drum know, awesome. was like you know, wait what? <laughs> yeah, go go watch the sky is is that is, is the sky, yeah, is, the red. sky is red? Um, drum drum, play. drum play through video. It's awesome. He breaks like seven <laughs> sticks during the whole thing. Yep. But it's live really cool. overdone. Sweet. They they do a quick little live overdub, you know, where that guy comes in and just start playing on the top. Oh, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's that's cool, you know, the little. Yeah, so it's all live. There's there's it's a I don't know if there's a single shot, but it appears to be live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It definitely it has a feel for it, at yeah. least with that, and you know, so it's cool. Yeah. With extra sticks, because he just breaks it and just grabs another one and keeps going. You know, it's like it wasn't just one. I'm like. He keeps breaking them on the whole way through. But, oh, I did. I did a gig with. But it doesn't seem like I. I I'll, we'll get oh, to the gig for a second. But it doesn't seem like he's overplaying though. Like oh, that's no, I think thing. he hits hard. Yeah. I think he uses light st- sticks. He must just like the sound of them. Okay. Because it doesn't <clears throat> like I don't hear that harshness of that. Like I don't that know. Much. I think he hits pretty hard. Huh. Maybe not as hard as like some guys, but I got the impression. I, I was going to mention real quick. I play a gig with Paul recently and think this guy paul and he plays with really light strings or sticks but he also plays super light <laughs> and it's like he never but he actually broke a stick it's the first time i've played probably 300 gigs with him i've never seen him break a stick he <laughs> broke a stick and he was even like i broke a stick <laughs> but then like metal guys i've played with like the people that come more from the metal background as opposed to the jazz one they break sticks all the time. Yeah. But it's also how you get that sound. Like to get that real, you know, nice pop. You yeah. have to hit the thing hard. You can't just like a different a snare hit when you <laughs> just kind of hit it. So it doesn't sound the same as a snare hit where you poke a hole through the top. <laughs> yeah. Not recommended. That gets expensive fast. But yeah. I mean, oh man, uh, for Chroma Drive, the drummer, Drew Pencook, amazing drummer. He plays with the five B like marching sticks on a, yeah. I've never seen anyone like that. And once we were rehearsing, and it he like did it, and it bounced like so hard. He hit like he hit so hard, and he it bounced off the 
the drum and it came like a bullet at me. <laughs> it even hit the guitar. Like, jeez. Like, like, there's a log another, he threw at me. <laughs> yeah, another crude assassination attempt. <laughs> Stifled yeah. by the fender or whatever. But yeah, doing. so the, I guess I watched the way that Drew plays is very similar to the way that guy plays. It's just mm. this really like tight, like, there's a lot of power behind every stroke. So. Yeah, I gotta, t- I gotta, t- like that. Which album I love, like, I love that sound too. Yeah. Like, the drums definitely, that's one thing that, like, it's interesting. Like, the more that I'm, I listen to an album, it's like one time through, it'll be, I'm just focusing on the guitars. The next time through, it'll be on, on the vocal lines. And it's really nothing to do with the lyrics. Like, we talked about that before. Like, when yeah. I'm listening to a vocalist, I'm listening, listening more like an instrument than anything else. And then it, another time, it's the drums. And just picking up on the devices that they'll use in order to drive the song ahead. Yeah, you know, right. obviously, it's just like the, all those little intricates. It's like, oh, he did like a, a tuplet there in order to push that downbeat to really give it some energy, even though the tempo didn't change. You know, sure. that, that's it's just like all these nice little uh, things that uh, I'm stealing that idea. I'm stealing that one. <laughs> stealing that one. You know, I, don't, and, I don't know if you had this experience, but you probably did because it was sort of our generation. But I used to go to my friend's house. Uh, John, great musician, and you know he's he's probably seventy years older than me, I think. But uh, we played together and stuff. And I was, you know, a fourteen-year-old who started getting into Dream Theater, and I would go to his house in this big stereo, and we'd sit there and just like listen to music, you know. And it was cool because if at that time I was very guitar focused, maybe piano and guitar. And he really got me to like listen to drums, and mm-hmm. he's a huge Rush fan. Yep. <laughs> so he listened to Neil really? Peart, and it was cool. Like that, he would be like, "Hey, look, here's the first verse. Check out what he's doing. Now look how it evolved in the second verse. It's not the same. He doesn't mm-hmm. play the same thing in the second verse. He never does. And then the third verse, it's different. It's it's always changing. It's varying and growing into something more." So it's not, it's not like it's not the same thing, I guess, is the point. And I, and now when I listen to drums, I always listen for that stuff. Like, well, did did anything change? Like, is the is the first chorus the same, exactly the same, cut and paste as the first and second? You know, the second, third, fourth. Are they all the same, or does something has to happen? Like, I feel like yeah, as a as a exactly. composer, or as a writer, as a band person in, in writing music. And I'm telling this to you too, all of you, all three of you. <laughs> uh, you know, don't ever let that happen. Like, if you catch yourself just being like, "Oh, I'm gonna cut this and paste this here and use this same thing," like it's 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 such a disadvantage that you don't get those little like subtle things that are really nice. And it actually it just makes the music better. And yeah, it, you would never see a classical yeah. composer do it too. And I kind of laugh when I read through some classical pieces. And they have a repeat, <laughs> like yeah, like that was lazy. Like why were you so lazy? <laughs> you can just do a repeat of those last seventeen bars or whatever. <laughs> like a, speaking of repeats, it's like a Philip Glass thing. <laughs> Though I like that. That's a whole of, different thing, though, right? Yeah, I know. It's I'm like just... everybody has a repeat in a different spot. <laughs> <laughs> That's Reich. That's more Reich than anything else. But I mean, no, they're in the same type of thing, and I'm just kind of picking. So. Uh, there's uh so anyways the Leprous was out and then uh what's the other one that I've been? uh oh yeah the uh new singles by uh the single by Animals as leader 
Monomyth, which I still yeah, got to talk about. I did not hear that, yeah. It, it's pretty good. Like, I, as pompous as it sounds, I'm a classical guy, so I got to sound absolutely pompous. I, I like this single better than their entire last album. Like, Madness of Many was very... Not their best work. Let's just, in my opinion, like I, I thought, like uh, I don't, you know, I can't even really remember it that well. Uh, and I think it it's just because they sound like a parody of themselves in some way. That's you know? exactly why the madness of many didn't do anything for me. I was just like, it's. I'm blanking on the almost, names of the albums, but I feel like the second album I really liked a lot because yeah, I feel it, like the regression. I think. Yeah, I feel like they like honed in on their thing. Right, it's like. Okay, the first one was like kind of a, I don't want to say it was cut and paste, but it's like, let's try this, let's try this, let's try this, sort of searching for a thing. But then the second one, it was like, oh, you figured it out. <laughs> you know. But then weightless. I feel like everything's, yeah, Weightless, is that what you said? Yeah, Weightless yeah. is the second one. Yeah, I really like that album a lot. And then yeah, after that, I was like, okay, these all sound the same as Weightless, or they're you know, variations of that. Yeah, I liked the, what was the third one? Uh, the Joy of Motion. I really like that one as well. The first three were great. Like, and I loved their debut album. And when Madness of Many came out, uh, I'll agree with you that the parody thing kind of happened. I mean, that happens yeah. with everybody, though, right? We, we it, talked about that no, with Matt, right? That was the... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's I remember... Like now you have uh, 100 mouths to feed. Are you going to really change yeah. it up? <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, like, the... the uh, if I'm remembering right, they were interviewing Tosin about the madness of many. And he said that he brought more of the band's input into the writing process. Like, cause even animals as leaders, like it's basically Tosin plus everybody else. Sure. You know, it, and, and that's where, where it started. If I'm remembering all the interviews I wrote with them correctly, like they approached him for a solo album and it was going to be like him. Yeah. But then he wanted to, didn't want the focus to be completely on him. So he picked the name animals as leaders instead. And, and with the other guys and that, that I could be wrong, but if I'm remembering correctly, that's what I'm, I'm going to go with. Yeah, something and, like that. And I, they might've gone through a few people, but yeah, I, all the keys and everything else are all like, they don't bring a keyboard player with them live. Right. It's all triggers and stuff like that, which is fine, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but monomyth, very, very tasty. I wish I, they wouldn't I, use I, triggers on the drum recording. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't just use real yeah. drums? Yeah, I know so, it's gonna be harder yeah. to mix. Yeah, but, yeah, but yeah, just do how, it. It would sound yeah. so much better. Oh, and I got into uh, Burton Cheney, the the jazz guy. Gene, oh, I, I I pulled up a couple of his albums, and uh, I love it. Like the, my chief concern, like going into it, and this is me again being a classical guy. I was like, I hope his tone doesn't suck, you know, because like you get, you get, no, seriously, like you, you get Segovia who was put everything onto the map, but his tone was compared to today's is just like really, yeah. Nat- I never liked the Segovia recordings, which is and, probably you know, ignorant on my part. No, but I always no, felt I, his I time so. was weird and his tone wasn't. I guess I gave a pass on the tone because I'm like maybe the recording quality wasn't as good or something, but yeah. But then, like the thing is, is the thing that kind of disproves that point to an extent is Parkening came out at the same. They both were releasing recordings at the same time, and Parkening's tone oh. was like phenomenal. Like that maybe was he the was thing like that the like, young stud exactly. Like, but he probably at the had same, money <laughs> behind him. Or yeah. I don't know. Oh man, this guy. Like I don't know if it came from money or not, but Parkening's I don't mean Parkening. Tone, I just mean like. Geffen or whoever like picked up Parkening might have 
Yeah, or yeah, the Sony. I think it was Sony that did it. But uh, the uh, like parkening, like his dad would created these nail bending devices that he would wear to sleep in order to get like the curvature of the nails to sound good. And that was like the, I remember talking with Steve. How old was the Segovia when parking came out? He must've been. Well, yeah, that's my point. It's like, exactly. Like Segovia was in his, at least his late sixties, you know, but to counter that, that's the tone that we get at that era. Like with those recordings, it's like, that's what he's always had. And it was nowhere near as rich as parking's was like not even close. And uh, that was one of the things that put parking on the map. And everybody was like, wait a minute, where do you get that tone? You know, because yeah. uh, and is yeah, parking is great. Yep. And uh, the uh, since then tone, I, I think in least, at least with the recording, you know, you get parking, John Williams and uh, Bauer Waco all kind of showing up at that same time. Sure. On, on the what map. Are, did parking is, did he die young? What happened? No, he, he retired and then came back. Like he he ended up being a championship fly fisher. <laughs> like it's like okay, he had a lot of guitar I, strings whatever. to use. Yeah, no kidding. I guess <laughs> so. Clearly, uh, and then he came back, and then the secret uh, is gut strings. He, <laughs> he like <laughs> he uh, headed Pepperdine University uh, for a, a long time. He was a, the chairman of the guitar department there, to, and he uh, he had to uh, work for it though. Just <laughs> a little, um, but he ended up uh, retiring from the concert stage. I think maybe like five or six years ago. It's been pretty recent. Yeah, that it, it was no longer concertizing, but it's still teaching, and it has like a big fifty thousand dollar prize uh, parking competition at Pepperdine. Uh, it's like you know you have to play the Aaron Wes concerto. A friend of mine actually got invited to do the competition. You know because you did the audio and video submissions, and then. They pick you from that, and then out mm-hmm. of the twenty that show up, it goes through it. I don't think you made it past the first round, but that's not the point. You get into that round, you get into it. There's your prestige right there. <laughs> you know, that's a it's a world. With so, Parker is still line. releasing records. I don't think so. Not anymore. I, feel like no, I, haven't, I mean, I guess I haven't really looked, but I never see his name he come up do, in the last twenty him, years. Really. I saw him play the Koi and Baba, the Metaconis. Uh, which was pretty cool. It was interesting because, like, his technique was not what I would expect somebody. A lot of P and I, like, it was just very, very weird huh. for that. Uh, what I played the piece, and I'm just like, oh, that's that's a totally different take, you know. So who knows? He sounded great. Like, it was a great playing, and I don't. I think that was like in 2007 when I saw that was when the recording was. You know, uh, it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, he's probably like 70 now or something, right? Yeah, he, he's up there. And who knows? I mean, he just retired from the concert stage. It doesn't, doesn't mean that he's not playing. He's just... I well, I mean, it's just, you see, like, um, John Williams was constantly putting out stuff. And I guess I haven't really seen much of him in the last 10 years. But same with Bar Waco, right? And tone, tone, tone. All three of those guys. And, you know, even tone. like Sharon, Sharon Isman's got to be like 65 or something by now, I bet. Yep. <clears throat> and she's These still are all putting out stuff. So, yeah. She's still <laughs> like, at Juilliard? I believe, I think she's at something in Colorado. Like Colorado. Oh, right. Something. I don't know. She's like tired of New York. <laughs> in the $60,000 a year thing right. or whatever. That's That's the right. last thing. So, yeah. Um, huh. But, yeah. Yeah. I know uh, Idola came out with a new album. Who? Idola. E-I-D-O-L-A. They're like this math metal. 
I think thing. I, maybe I've seen them. I, I like the music. Like they've had this is their fourth album, and uh, I, I've only had a chance to like listen to it in the car, so I can't like judge it as going through these guys here, yeah. which is usually my thing that like will make or break an album, you know, for me. Uh, listening to it with good headphones, and it's a good album, um, but uh, I haven't really got it. Their second album, De Generata, was like freaking phenomenal. Like I, I loved it. I, I was. The songwriting, the arranging, everything was just killer. So, um, and this one's pretty good. Uh, but again, I got to listen to it some more. And that's the other thing. It's like I think if you're gonna get an album review, it's something that you got to at least listen to it three times, at least, you know, to kind of get that. And I still got to dive in more seriously to a big wreck. I see. I've been on a big wreck kick the last couple, at least last week or so. If you guys aren't familiar with big wreck, um. The main guy, Ian Thornley, the singer and guitar player, is fantastic at both of them. Mm-hmm. They're kind of a weird mix of like Soundgarden, U2, and something else. I don't know. Almond Brothers. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, that's it's a You meant because, well, so Ian Thornley is just a killing slide guitar player when he plays slide. He's He's a killer guitar player no matter what he does, but one of the best slide players I've ever heard. Yep. Um, yep. And, uh, anyway, yeah, so I've been on a kick of that in the product. Like the, the records are really interesting because he kind of sings a bit like Chris Cornell too. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's an interesting mix of all those things. So I think, what's the name of the app? Grace. I think it's like, I think it was something like that. Kind of horrible with names. <laughs> it sounds like we both are, but yeah, you know, with I the can, internet right at our fingertips, we shouldn't. Be I would say I highly recommend Ghost. checking out what's that? Ghost. Ghost? Yeah, Ghost. Yeah. I highly recommend checking out Ghost album, which came out. It was like three albums ago. Incidentally, they have a new album coming out and have been releasing singles. Though the-, the other main guitar player, so Ian met the other guitar player, and I can't remember his name at Berkeley. And then they started Big Wreck in the nineties. Wow. Then they had a so they had a their most popular album was the first one in the nineties, like ninety six, ninety seven. And they had kind of a pseudo hit song. They're from Canada, so it was a little less Yeah. Whatever. But uh and then they put another album out. So the second album came out in two thousand. And I don't know what happened, but it like it just died. Like it, hmm. it like went nowhere. It, they thought it was going to be the big, bigger, better, whatever you know. And it just it just went to nothing. So the band actually broke up after that. And then Ian kept making al- albums under the band Thornley. And then in like 2010 or so, they he was going to make another Thornley album, but then he like hooked up with his buddy, the guitar player um, from Berkeley that he knew that was in big wreck. And he joined that guy joined the Thornley project and they just caught, they called it big wreck again. So big wreck came back. Um, And then, uh, then they put, you know, been putting out albums since then. And, but I, I guess my, the reason I mentioned all that is that guitar player actually died like a year or two ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, did, did, I mean, not to sound callous, did they recre- but did they replace him in the... Uh, I'm the sure they replaced him. 
just because the the one thing is Big Rex one of those like has like th- three guitar players or something in it because they well, use all these textures. It's like they're they're also like another ear candy kind of band when you listen on the headphones because there's there can be just like seven guitars it seems like going on at the same time you know and just these sometimes like this huge fuzz sound you're like where the hell did that like it just sounds awesome over top of this like delayed like u2 thing or whatever mm-hmm. and i think ian actually plays all the parts so he's kind of like tosin <laughs> like he does like everything for the band but then they have a live band kind of thing mm-hmm. but uh brian wilson <laughs> yeah he's brian wilson Anyway, uh, cool band. The the new single that I heard was like very poppy. It was almost like synthy pop. So you never know what you're gonna get with that band. It's it's which is also fun. Like some songs like sound like U two or Pink Floyd or something, and then other songs sound like heavy grunge thing or whatever. And other songs sound like bottleneck blues kind of thing. But somehow it all sounds like them. Like they did a really good job of just. It all just makes sense somehow, cool. which I find really interesting. So. And then uh, the, the, the other one that came out, good speaking guitar player wise, is uh, Andy McKee. Came out oh, with a nice. EP, uh, which he's been gone since like 2010. You know, he took like 10 years off. So I think he did the, I've made my money, I've gotten my tours, and I have a kid now. So Do you I'm think just he actually home. made any money? It's, his house looks decent enough. He's got a lot of guitars, you know. And this was uh, before streaming. Like he was getting big, big enough before streaming, where it wasn't that. Uh, of, uh, I don't know. I don't think it was detrimental to his thing. Yeah, sure. And um, so he, uh, what's the way to put it? Um, that came out, and he does a cover of Michael Hedges's Ragamuffin on it. Which is interesting to hear, like with better recording equipment compared to when he did Hedges did it in like '86, you know. Um, and it, it it's got a small different flavor to it, you know. It's a cool cover, but it's it's definitely not Hedges. But I don't mean that in a bad way, you know. It's definitely more McKee than, than Hedges, and McKee's yeah. a, a great player in his own uh, right with that. And his arrangement of Purple Rain is on it as well, which he did for Prince. Like he did it, Prince heard it, he's like. You're coming on tour and you're playing that song with me. So That's like cool. Andy McKee toured with Prince and he was like supposed to come out and like, there he got paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He uh, was supposed to come out like uh, in this like stage wide cape that was purple that would oh, lift nice. up while he was playing it. You know, he was like, the, the princess had these huge ideas of all this stuff with it. And he's like, we didn't end up going with that, but it was just pretty elaborate what he did. Yeah. And he just did it like solo arrangement of uh, purple rain. And then Prince would come in at some point in oh, the whole cool. band. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, I heard uh, uh, you hear horror stories, but Prince actually paid his musicians really well from what I yeah. hear. Yep. Like, well, I mean, way that, over the norm. Yes. Yep. And that's also because, like, he played everything. Yeah. Like, he got it. it. He, like, he, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, he knows, he knows the hustle and he, yep, respected it. And that, uh, you know, the, the interesting, the, the, just to contrast that, like, a little bit with McKee, is that McKee also played, like, on with uh, Josh Groban, the popra, if you will. Uh, though he definitely can sing. Um, he, uh, he also did a recording of the little drummer boy with the, 
which is like a perfect song from a key with a Picasso thing. I was really looking forward to hearing the arrangement. I'm like, this could be really cool. And whoever was the producer, like butchered what it could have been because it was basically just this drop D drone thing that would just come in every then and again. And I'm like, really? Like, really? McKee is into one trick and he does it phenomenally well. And you're not going to exploit that at all. Like I I would uh, entertain the counter argument of this is not that style and it should be like this heavily orchestrated thing that Josh Groban can just sing over top of and whoop de doo But it's like, ah, he could have just really pushed that and made it entertaining. It was such a letdown on that. Um, and yeah, and then there's like one, two, three, four, five, or no, four originals and one Rocky Four medley that he came up with. So it's kind of a neat little EP. You say Rocky Four? Yeah, Rocky Four. That was four. our jam, man, when I was a kid. <laughs> yep. Did so many push ups to that movie. <laughs> Is that, that's probably like after Rocky did the, um, what's it called? South Park made fun of it. A montage. <laughs> the montage. <laughs> the, we need a montage. Like no one could outdo Rocky movies on those. So they everyone just gave up after that. And like, oh, <laughs> that was it. Like, why even yep. bother? Yep. Yep. Though occasionally yep. is I do see montages and I laugh like my kids watch some crappy Disney movie or whatever. <laughs> and there'd be some montage, you know, like and I'm like, oh that's they're still doing those. <laughs> Yeah, no, they're all they're all they're all part of it. But I think it was Team America be a World Montage. Montage. What is, I thought it was Team America World Police. Yeah. Is where they put that song. Yeah, in. it is. For yeah. sure. That's God, such a good movie. <laughs> oh my god. I haven't watched that forever. I I uh, wonder if it holds up, but it probably does. Yeah, it, that and the South Park movie are something that it's like uh, You know what one of my favorite things that they did you ever watch the making of the South Park episode? Like their original South Park. No, yeah, the, they they have a they have like a behind the scenes boat? making. Of no, a, I don't think I've watched that. Oh man, it's totally worth watching <laughs> because it shows like them making it and like the process is crazy. Like, oh yeah, they have this really like the way they do their shows. The reason why they can put out a show in a week is because of the sort of way they do it, right? Yeah, and people just like wait around for the the room to come out with their idea. <laughs> but it was also, it was the, uh, I human, I sent iPad <laughs> that they were doing. I want to read. <laughs> that was yeah. the one that this documentary was about. Oh my god! Like, so they're talking about, and it's only like, it's like 25 minutes or something or something on YouTube. Like it it's totally, you got to find it. And it was right. They were like, they were, their musical. What is that called now? Why am I blinking? It's not uh, the Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, like, had just <laughs> released. One. Yeah. Wow. So then they they're like flying back from New York, and they have to get an episode done in like a week. Mm-hmm. It's just really cool, and it's just hilarious too. They're they're those ridiculous. Guys, those guys. One of the ladies I toured with, like back in the day, I went on tour with a singer named Kate Hurley, and she went to their high school. Oh, nice. When they were in high school, and she's like, they would. 
give out tapes of these comedy songs and they were absolutely hysterical. Like, you know, they were like super popular because of that. And I'm like, Oh geez, that makes complete sense. Yeah. You know, like those guys, they, they're on a whole different level. They are just ridiculous. Well, I was telling you about, you got to watch the making of uh, the despicables me thing. Um, okay. And Trey, yeah. cause, cause Trey Parker is the bad guy in there or whatever. Yeah. 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 And he's cause, and you could see, so you have to watch the South park one first because you can see him doing the voiceovers and like this, what that is and how they're like trying to get each other to do it more. Like, and then he goes to the other one and they're like, he's like, I know every time when I'm directing a show, I always have to be like, no, no, go farther. You know, like keep trying harder. Yeah. They, they were like, uh, in the despicable me, like, okay, Trey, can you take it down a few notches? <laughs> Which I can imagine. He's just like, have I'm you watched that movie? <laughs> have you watched the movie? Yeah. The, oh, yeah. I mean, he's awesome. Yeah, that. He made, so he totally made that movie. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. No, like, oh, that was, was like great. the perfect role for him. Who would, who yeah. Came, he's, and he's I'm like, great. how did they put that in a PG movie? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause he's Trey Parker and just put a spin on it. Well, you it was know? like every but, adult was like, Oh really? Trey Parker's <laughs> in this. Awesome. I think, <laughs> yes, we can go see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> like covering the eyes, plugging the ears. <laughs> Daddy, what's it? <laughs> Just watch. So impress your friends later. <laughs> oh, and, and one last bit of new music because I, I gotta admit, no, no, it's I'm okay. But no, uh, Vikinger Olafsson, pianist from Iceland, obviously. Okay. Uh, I mean, if you know Icelandic names, clearly, duh. My <laughs> language to speak on the weekends. Uh, that's that's what I do when I drink my vodka. Even though I should be speaking Russian, I grab Icelandia vodka, which is Swedish, so I'm really confused. And it's just Knob uh, Creek anyway. Yeah, exactly. I was going to try to pull that in, but it wasn't coming that quick to me. Nicely, uh, thanks for the save. Yeah, yeah. So. Just dump the vodka out. Let's fin- yeah. The finish, or not the finish. Oh my gosh. What country are we talking about again? Iceland. I think it was Swede. Iceland, yeah. <laughs> Sweden, yeah. Uh, dump the vodka out and then, yeah, obviously put Knob Creek in there. Yeah, duh. It was America. So, <laughs> but he uh, came out with a Mozart and his contemporaries album. And it's, I love the contemporaries. Like, I, I like Mozart. Don't get me wrong. So but he's a piano. Okay. Yeah, it's all piano. What, is, uh, what does he uh, mean by his contemporaries? What is cont- like living composers at the same time as uh, Mozart? Okay, so it is all like Mozart period stuff. Yeah, all classical era, and uh, it's uh, I can't even pronounce the guy's first name, so I'm gonna skip it. Uh, well, I'm gonna butcher it. No, I've been butchering names, and this is kind of my stick here. So, uh, Baldassare Galuppi. That's the pianist. Yeah, no, that's that's the composer. Oh, the other piece you really like. Yeah, and uh, Piano Sonata Number 9 in F minor is just, like, fan-frickin-tastic. Like, really, really interesting to to hear that. Uh, It's also Dolby Atmos, if you got the iPhone, uh, or Apple, whatever. And I think that actually works really well on a piano, given the dynamic range and the size of the piano. It's really cool to kind of have, have it wrap around you. Yeah. 
with that. But just the piece on itself. And that's the thing. It's like I did the thing that I always chastise others for. I played it originally just through the iPhone speakers, you know, because I was just doing something in the kitchen. It's like, I'll just hit play and see if this is worth uh, adding to my library. And I just I stopped and I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And, you know, immediately started to go, hmm, I wonder if you could do a guitar ring to another this type <laughs> of thing. And it's got to be public domain because the guy's clearly been dead for a long time. So I, I might have to look into, into that. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So, send me a yeah. link to that or something. Yeah, you will do. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it right now, surprisingly enough. All right. The, the internet's um, yeah, it's funny. I, the, the Mozart, when he's like all major keys, it's it's obviously really good, but it's really not my favorite. But yeah, uh, exactly. when he does minor keys, it's it's I don't know, just that vibe about it. it's great. Like I yeah. like I love well, it's it. Like a, my, one of my buddies as a composer, he's like, you know, Mozart when he finally started to get really interesting, decides to die. You know, it's like <laughs> oh, and the re- I mean, I think I think most people think this. Too. I mean, the Requiem is is about yeah, as good yeah. as anything anyone's done. Yeah, particularly the parts Absolutely. he actually wrote. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, there's no doubt. It's I mean, so good. It's so. I mean, it's, I haven't listened to that in a while. I might have to listen to that tonight. Oh, like, yeah, just it's, dive it's, into it's, it because it's amazing. amazing. It's absolutely in, in, incredible. I mean, especially since he dictated most of that. Yeah. Like he's he's laying in bed, actively dying from whatever it, it really was, uh, probably syphilis or lead poisoning, um, and uh, just like telling the guy, okay, this is this part and this is this part, and he's jotting it down, right. jotting it out, which is like that's crazy absolutely crazy and then he had to really die that's annoying mm, yeah. it would have been just a cool story and then i was fine but there <laughs> is there is stuff like leading up you, you can like hear hints of it oh, in yeah. earlier music you know absolutely. you're like yep oh it's is- like his later stuff is fantastic like, and also it- i mean there's really aside i mean the list of like truly good counterpoint composing is pretty short like and He's one of them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just like, wow, like really yeah, incredible. No, no kidding. What is it? And, you, and then you get to Beethoven and like never does any of it, <laughs> which is fine. But it, there's like a something that lacks there, but there's also something that you gain from the Beethoven too. Exactly. Um, the Tempest. <laughs> that, that's worth gaining. Yeah. That's oh, totally. Yeah. There's so much good stuff. Yeah. Also it's, great. It's, yeah, obviously, but it's kind of neat that yeah, you just don't hear a lot of counterpoint generally, especially like advanced counterpoint. So, well, I mean, at, at that level of symphonic works as yeah. well, that's the other thing. It's like counterpoint in one sense. It's almost, it's, and I don't want to say exclusively piano, but it really comes through in the piano because you have the range. You got the eighty-eight keys. It's like yeah. well, duh. Of course, you can use that, and then the multiple instrument stuff, but like the difficulty level shoots up when you have a full orchestra. Right. And it, it sounds, it sounds even better of an orchestra too. Yes. Yeah. And when it's done and instrumented, well, it's just jaw dropping. You, yeah. you just, geez. that's like, I, I went down a Wagner path. He's one of the other ones, right? Um, yep. Some of it, you're just like, and it's, I think you can easily say it's more advanced than anything Bach or Mozart did too. And it, it's only clearly because he had any advantage of studying them. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not because he's better. Than, I don't mean that. I just mean it's, it's it was more advanced. It, it, it had, you know, he had taken it to 
a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, sometimes you're just like, wow. I mean, the sound that it creates, you're talking about all these layers and interesting things happening. And it's just one, I mean, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. Yep. And have you heard of uh, Ola England? Yeah. Yeah, he does these things called Sundays with Ola. Yeah, where he I've like, seen those. Yeah. Rock They're pretty funny. Yeah, there's a whole album of them out now. Like of his it, things. Got like, yeah, of his things. It's called Sundays with Ola. Ola riffs Volume One, and it's like how many tracks? <laughs> thirty-three, or uh, no, I'm sorry, twenty-three tracks. But there's and they're all like an hour long. No, they're they're all like a minute. I must be. So it's of... just the riffs. Uh, okay. Yeah, like I mean, he yeah, his YouTube channel is hysterical. Uh, when he's yeah, because I like when he talks more than he when he plays most of the time. Not that yep. he's not a good player, but yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Like he's entertaining to watch. Yeah, he's, he's funny. It, 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 he's hysterical, and he knows a lot of stuff. It's great. Yep. So that helps with everything. <laughs> it's but like, I think wait. like the tea time with him or whatever, like those are pretty funny. <laughs> he's a good interviewer. Which is weird to to see, like you don't expect a death metal guy to be like, "I'm having tea," yeah. but that's like often what he he'll drink. It's just tea. That reminds. Me, did and you it, you ever see those singing reacts things? Yeah, yeah. There's the Devin Pound, the charismatic voice. You ever watch her on YouTube? She's a redhead. Yeah, she's always like she's always like. Yes, like, she's real yes. cute and like she did the whole. I mean, she, uh, she, she did um, Devin Dev- Townsend. Yeah, so she, she, if yeah, you haven't seen yeah. it, she started she, crying during that. She has <laughs> an interview that she did with Devin. Oh man, it's that tea would be time cool. with Devin or whatever, something like that. It is I'll like that this was like everything that was made to happen. You know, like <laughs> when she created this channel, like <clears throat> that was supposed to happen. Kind of like the Pat Metheny, Rick Beato. Interview. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk that about was... that, I think. If you haven't watched that, you have to watch that. Yeah, that, uh, just a little it bit. Like that everything Rick Beato uh, was doing with his channel led up to that moment, <laughs> in my opinion. Like, finally, like, that was the one. That was like the one. I've where... turned some of my students onto that because they're like, one of them mentioned Matheny. And I'm just like, you do realize that, like, Matheny is probably never not practicing. Yeah. Like, that, like the, the latest interview that I read with the, or listened to with the guy, he said, he's like, yeah, sometimes I'll just practice triads for five or six hours. Sure. You know, and it's like, and he kind of like looked at me like, uh, I'm like, yeah, when you're dropping names like that, this, when I say this is all that they do, this is all that they do. Yeah. Like they are just, that's it. That's all that I'm doing. You know, and that it, um, you know, Julie was laughing uh, when I was mentioning that, like when we were interviewing Matt, it's like, how that one sense of I, I hate to use the term the serious musicians, but I'm just going to use that for now. But like the serious musicians is like that's it. That well, what are you doing? Music? What what do you mean? It, it it's been like six hours. Yeah. Your point is like this past weekend, I was sitting down. Oh, you're about like when he was like he went to that studio session and they were like yeah. they were done in three hours. He's like I was ready to be here all night. <laughs> yes. Yep. Were- yep. And that's like, you know, it's like the, on Saturday, I, I sat down to start working on, on that project. And, you know, I, I sat down in the morning with my cup of coffee and then I look up and I'm like, oh, my God, it's 3 p.m. I, I have a family. I need to pay attention to a little bit. You know, oh, oh, OK, I'm coming. You know, and, and obviously they didn't need me because nobody bothered me. But I was just yeah. like, 
zoned in and that was sure i could have kept going if it didn't if i didn't look at a clock i should get rid of my clocks <laughs> <laughs> the problem here is the clocks obviously the problem here is the clocks and time it has nothing to do with well, I saw, um dan wilson great guitar player if you don't know him yep. like incredible jazz guitar player yeah, he's um he's posted on facebook he's like i was talking to you know father george george benson and he's like, George is like, yeah, man, I've been practicing so much lately. And he was just like, you know, like to get to George Benson level, that means just playing all the time. Like mm-hmm. you don't get there for one hour a day, two hours a day, seven hours nope. a day. It just means all the time. It's always on. Yeah. Yeah. And, That's it. That's all. What are you doing? I'm playing. Yeah. And I, you know, it's like one of the things yeah, I was just, that I was just practicing. I was thinking of you, so I called you over, but I got to get back to practice. So I only got 15 minutes. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I, and that's the other thing too. I've done that as well. It's like, you know, if it's an important phone call, to, uh, you know, or whatever, somebody got to talk to and it's like, okay, I, I, yeah, I got to get back to work. Like, uh, <laughs> I got to get back to, and I've distinctly made that transition in my vocabulary for the most part that when I'm doing things with music, I call it work. You know, sure, I, I, I can't stand this idea because the word play Aren't has. Aren't you playing? Such, exactly. Playing, yeah. It's got such a different connotation to it than this is work. And yeah, I happen to be lucky enough to do what I, I, I enjoy, but it, it's, it's work. And if I put that mentality on it, I take it that much more seriously. Yeah, sure. You know, and I want, I instill the same thing in my students. I'm just like, you know, this is, this is classwork for you. This is not like, you know, I'm going to go play. It's like, I expect to see results. Um, <laughs> I think I, I mentioned that before uh, with the, in my reviews, you know, which, which were generally all really, really good outside of the one student I chastised who said that, you know, Adam should, uh, Professor Keeler should realize that uh, not everybody takes guitar as seriously as he does. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell are you doing in my class? Right. <laughs> does my reputation not perceive me? I got to step one. Yeah. Up. You put that. Can you can you change the the definition of your class? Yeah, exactly. Study guitar if your yeah. life de- like your life depends on it. Yeah. Yep. Imagine a game of saw, and the only way to get out is to play this piece by the end. So it, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but that's all my all my college things. So I, I, that's one of the big things that I'm conscious about is that if you go into it with a play expectation and the work becomes apparent, there's such a shutdown. Uh, in terms of the, the the student, regardless of the age level. Now, obviously, I'm not going to talk. I actually had to stop myself this past uh, uh, Tuesday when I was teaching yeah, so my private. If you can't tell, Adam started teaching again. This, you know, the semester started. <laughs> I'm back. The semester started, so I'm back in the teacher mode. Uh, angry, dis, not disgruntled, because I absolutely so love where angry. I work. <laughs> I should be teaching metal. But I'm teaching this, this uh, seven-year-old kid, and he's playing, and I'm like, yeah, these must first be two brilliant notes. in college. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he's, he's got some chops. He's working, like he's working on pretty his hard. MD. He's Doogie Hauser. <laughs> but he's better than Doogie Hauser because he's seven. Yeah. Doogie was a teenager. That's right. He was slatter. so old. <laughs> and it's in utero, <laughs> that's the kid that you got to look out for. But um, the uh, so I'm like I'm teaching him, and I'm like, yeah, these notes are not staccato. These are supposed to be connected. You got to make. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm teaching college students again. That just kind of came no. out. 
Make these two sing together. <laughs> you know, it was like I was like, oh, Gaga. It's like this this kid's seven. Come on, Keeler. Watch their vocabulary of what are you doing? Again. Your, your timing is garbage. Come on. And the timing was fine. I, I never said anything like that, but it's like sometimes I have to like shut that off when I go to teach younger students. Right. Um Okay, but it's, it's like the it's like the Gordon Ramsay thing. You see Gordon Ramsay like on the on the Master Chef, and he's like, "What are you? Are a waste of human flesh? Why are you even here? I wouldn't even cook you if you were a gourmet meal. Get out!" You know. And then to the kid, he's like, "That's okay, honey. You tried your best." He did. He's like You're a totally right. different persona and encouraging. And it's like I have to keep that switch going Balance, yeah. and turn to turn off Gordon Ramsay when I'm teaching my private students uh, that uh, are younger. So. But regardless, you know, so those are the things that I've been listening to a lot. Oh, and uh, like uh, I grabbed some Star Wars books, so that clearly isn't uh, uh, music to drive to. Now that I have my commute a couple of days a week. Oh, to listen to. Yeah, to listen to. Like some of the pre-Ray stuff? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like Timothy's on Heir to the Empire. And listening through that, I'm like, yeah, the, the sequel trilogy is a garbage. I'm sorry. You guys had an option of everything with this. Like, you could have picked anything out of this, and it would have been gold because, you know, Thrawn and I it's mean, just, like really well. Well, at least they really had good gold. acting in that series, unlike the other two. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's like the book is like radio play. Like they totally radio played it up with like sound effects and voice actors uh, for different roles, and it's really well done. Like it's super. It makes the hour and a half commute like fly by. Like it's, I'm kind of like, oh man, I don't want to stop this. <laughs> this yeah. uh, type of thing. You know? I, my um, dad got me in the books and tape as they were back in yeah. the day because I would drive from Erie to New York City to visit them or whatever, <clears throat> and. uh it's like he's like, yeah, you listen to these because they keep you awake, you know, they keep you like engaged. But the problem is when you stop at a rest stop, you're like, I don't want to take a, I don't want to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need to know exactly. what's going to happen next. Yep. So yeah. you don't take a no, proper right. break. So it's, it's sort of like it keeps you awake, but it also doesn't let you rest because you're like, I better eat this really fast so I can get back in the car and find out what's <laughs> going on. Yeah, I, pl- I hit pause at the climax of the book. Or, uh, I used to do that with Dan Brown novels when I was driving like you're we're touring it was dan brown because they're like super fast paced yeah. action things that have just enough of the mystery in it that kind of like you know it's yeah, like they're just fun. sitting there they're popcorn flicks equivalent yeah, sure. and it uh you know, it, it would just feel like yeah this is a seven hour drive to the next show okay whatever Pl- hit play and then i'd get there and be like oh man i, got, I gotta i gotta play or yeah. like, it, it, it was like an hour to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so what are your plans after the concert? I got to go back into my car yeah. for about 45 minutes, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Oh yeah. Those so, are fun yeah, things. You know, I, I go, you might do this too. I got through phases with those. Like I can yeah. do them for like a month, but then I'm like, I need like a three month break from like listening to books on it. It's like, you kind of get in the zone for a while, but then I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Especially if yeah. it's like a big book too or something. Yep. Sometimes before I would search for books by length, like, is this 60 hours? That'll last me about four weeks this semester. (laughs) Okay. I'll listen to things on Russian submarines or whatever. (laughs) It's just something to fill the time. Speaking of Russian and crazy constructions of submarines, those Verso guitars. Yeah. Yeah. That is 
Like I thought that one that started with the T that you were mentioning the. T- I thought it was t- tough. Um, no, too full, too full, tough. Too full. I think something like that. Um, you know, it's not like we have the internet right at the end of our fingertips. To be I know. I looked earlier and I. It was like it the all metal guitar, right? Yeah. So the birdfish is only twenty grand. Is that the twofold? Yeah, I'll send you the link. It's T well T E U F F E L. Oh, Tuffle or something like that. I think I wrote Tuffnell before, and I was wrong. They're super cool. Yeah, those are. I love those guitars. They look amazing. But this is not the one that I'm thinking of. That was like, um, they, they look pretty cool. That actually looks really cool. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the ones that I'm thinking of, it's just like literally, it's like a steel rod with frets and strings on it. Um, That's it. No body. I can't remember what the heck those things were called. Yeah, I think, it sounded I think, halfway decent, you know, as an yeah, electric guitar. And I was like, oh, how much was it? Yeah, never mind. It's not worth that much. <laughs> it was like four thousand dollars or something like that. Um, yeah, and it was a little two full ones. I think they're like start at seven, eight grand. Yep. Um, and then there's these versatile. They're, you know, they're like works of art. So it's, yes, it's a little exactly. Right? It's not like something. I at least I don't think it's not it would a, be like a player's floor. guitar necessarily. Even though I think they play super nice. Mm-hmm. And that's why tooth, I'm curious in about a tooth no world at least. I mean, I love that one guitar. I'm looking through it now. <laughs> yeah, no, they look great. Like, they, I like the headless thing that he has going on. That one. What is that one called? Well, he's even got a seven string. Yeah, I think he's one of those people that make anything really. That's crazy. Absolutely weird looking. But <laughs> totally ergonomic. It looks like a loot, honestly. Which one are you like talking the, about? The Tesla, Tesla ones. Tufels. It looks like a loot. It's got like that weird arc to it. Oh, shoot. Body wise. Like, I love this one. Let me see. I could probably share my screen, right? Yeah, now you can. Oh, let me find it. Which one is that? I have to remember how to share a screen. Oh, there it is. I just made it. <laughs> it says share screen. It's a big green button that says share screen on the bottom. Yeah. So these ones, I love those ones. Those are cool. The Tesla. Yep. That's a classic. There's the birdfish is this one, right? Are you seeing these? No. Oh, I thought I shared. Oh, I didn't actually. Yeah, okay, there it is. That's that was the one. Yeah, so this is the birdfish. This was the twenty grand one. Yeah. I love these Teslas. These are awesome. Yeah, those are sweet looking. And what else? The Niwa. That one's cool. Let's check out this. They're just awesome. 
Yeah, I like that that pushing in the boundaries in terms of construction. Like that's yeah, the Antonio. Yeah, that's, that's super what cool. I was looking at. I kind of it's a, it's a bird. Oh, there's fit. that one too, Prodigy series. So Jeez. yeah. So it it has you going like what consists of the most important parts of the guitar, you know? It's almost like, you know, with that uh what was it? Like de- there, deconstructive it cooking. Yeah, yeah, and in one sense, you know, yeah. absolutely. You know, it uh or that uh, the, I don't know if you've seen the documentary it might get loud. Yeah. It's got or, yeah, Edge, yeah. Edge and Jack White and Jimmy Yeah, the Pace. cool scene where he builds that guitar with a Yeah, right with, at the beginning and it's yeah. like that kind of like sums it up to an extent, you know, string board. That's it, you know, yeah. and then the rest, you know, did, is, it, is it actually a guitar? Or is it just a hybrid lute thing or uh, even going back further, an oud thing or a harp, you know, uh, to an extent. And, uh, you know, I think obviously modern wise, our guitar is thinking in rock things. And uh, I can't see somebody bringing out a tuffle on stage, you know, if uh outside of a stage gimmick then i'm not saying that they're bad guitars in any way shape or form but well, you know what all i mean of them. i mean the bird some the, of the birdfish the, one right that's yeah that's what i mean probably like not playing at that your dive bar yeah exactly i mean outside of the cost <laughs> which is like yeah no i'm not i'm not taking that one out i'll, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll take the mexican strat because that that can handle a beer bottle being thrown at it so um but uh, the just the way that it's like the the layout I think is like, it's just wickedly cool in that design. And the ergonomics are there. Like that yeah. one guitar that we f- found on Dream Guitars uh, by that Japanese builder that was just uh, obscene. Like the way that he built it, it was just gorgeous. I, I That thing probably was like $24,000, I think, is what it sold for. And that was wickedly cool. Just the next step up in guitars. It had a nice yeah. little leg rest on it and place it ergonomic and headless and string through the neck type of thing and it, it's just like man that is wickedly cool but that uh, that's more than i would pay probably in this lifetime for a guitar <laughs> and there's and, a picture of did you <laughs> kirk hammett playing some tuffles tuffles really yeah huh and billy uh gibbons Now that would be weird. <laughs> Billy Gibbons playing that would be strange. Like this no, is it actually looks, could... it looks fine. <laughs> Billy you're you're not sharing the screen anymore. No, let me share it. You're you're killing me, Smalls. I thought you were looking. <laughs> no, I I wasn't looking that into that about it. Oh yeah, look at that. Huh. You know what's annoying cool. is let me put it. It switches screen, so now no one can see. Anyway, you you can see it that way. There's Billy oh. Gibbons, um, Paige Hamilton from Ham Helpin. That's maybe not a stretch, but Kirk Hammett. Yeah, look at that. This almost look like Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, but no, that's that looks like it. Clearly, it's a live show, huh? That's pretty wild. Yeah. Billy Gibbons. That was not be somebody that I would generally expect. But that, then again, you know, he's got his own brand type of thing. Like, you know, you, Wait, you have expect- you seen there's a Billy Gibbons cooking with Billy Gibbons on YouTube? 
It's awesome. <laughs> really? Yeah. That's got to be great. It's That's got to be fantastic. Because he's just like his oh voice and like his demeanor. It's amazing. <laughs> How does he get that beard all the way to the open flame? That would be so paranoid. Man, all of- have you dug into Billy Gibbons playing? He's like a little awesome. bit. He's that, well, awesome. See, and that's the thing. It's like we get into all this technical music, like in one sense, you know, yeah. it's, it's very practical. It's very odd. It, it gets out there and so on. But that doesn't mean that the guys that are playing like the simple rock tune don't have phenomenal chops behind them. Oh, my. Like, like absolutely gigantic players. Billy has one of the greatest vibratos ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And his phrasing and like. And like it's just it's like world it's world class good, yeah. You need you need to check it out some more. Don't pick like, don't yeah. like listen to the pop tunes or whatever. You gotta go a little bit earlier. I'm trying to remember the name of the album that everyone touts is like a guitar god album. Um, let me find it. It's like um, the guy from Blues Traveler, not the harmonica player. Oops. Trace Hombres. Find that album from ZZ okay. Top. That's before they got really big. I mean, there's just killing guitar playing on that. Like, you're going to spend a long time nailing that vibe. All the little intricacies. Like, this is one thing that I think that jazz and even classical miss is all the little bendy stuff that that really high level blues players can do um the Billy Gibbons and the Michael Landau's of the world like it, it's like supremely good <laughs> or even like Derek Trucks or something like that some of that stuff like i mean you're going to you're going to spend 10 years getting that good at it at least yeah Oh, well, and that's the thing. It's like specialization in anything takes a huge yeah, amount of time. It's really amazing to listen to. Like the guy from, uh, what's his name? Chan. Hang on. I'm, this is where I need my bifocals. Oh, uh, what's it? Chan Kinshia. I, that's, he's, a, he's a guitar player for Blues Traveler. Which, you know, when Blues Traveler came out and made it big, they were the, the John Piper, whatever. Uh, yeah, John Popper. Uh, the, or no. Something like that. No, that was him. Yeah, John Popper, the harmonica player and singer. Yeah, uh, he was like, uh, like the stage guy in yeah, the harmonica the playing the like, show, the star of the show. And I remember it was like three o'clock in the morning. I was still living in Buffalo, and you know, with my family and all that stuff. And my brother and I had just gotten back from around the corner, the corner bar type of thing. That served great wings. It was deadly because it's like oh two o'clock in the morning bars are open till four let's get some wings yeah you know, get some wings literally walk up like one house back and <laughs> sit in front of the boob tube and so on and we're like watching blues traveler was on like austin city limits and then steve Vai comes out like so it's steve Vai, blues travelers chan the guitar player and uh, john pop and I'm like, oh man, they're gonna just embarrass the guitar player. Like Steve Vai is gonna totally just make a, just destroy this guy, you know, in one sense because I hadn't heard anything else besides the blues traveler thing, yeah. you know. And like Vai and Popper were trading licks back and forth. It was really cool to see. And then the guitar player kicked in, and it was like 
holy crap, this guy can play. Like, he was holding his own with all three of them. I wonder if he's one of, like, the Nashville guys or something. Like, the, there's there's so he, no, many guitar players that can keep up with Steve I in Nashville. <laughs> there's no, I know that. Yeah, yeah, but this is when they, they – he's, like, from Jersey, like, when they formed in the mid-'80s. Yeah. And, yes, I have, whatever the, the Wikipedia page, as reliable as that could potentially be, that's what I'm reading it from. So it's like, no, he wasn't, like, a, a Nashville guy. This is, like – the guy yeah that's you know, cool though that was, no i was just curious so, well, yeah I, guess I, was I remember just getting floored because i just figured that this guy was just strumming chords you know it's like because that's what he's doing in the uh in the in the videos yeah. and the, the, he decided to soul. make some money yeah exactly <laughs> you know to which everybody now that i'm on to, to, to much much older and wiser helpful hopefully definitely older i don't know about the other thing but the uh it's just like, yeah, they're, they're, okay, sure, sign me up for that. That right there, that playing that, that one, four, five, whichever, for the four minutes, and I'll take the check. Thanks. See ya. Yeah. Type of thing. But like, he's got massive chops, and that was really wild, you know, and entertaining because seeing Steve Vai get up there and just everybody kind of like doing their thing was very, well, I mean, very there's, cool. So there's, but there's different kind of things too. Like, I guess I don't, I don't know anything about this guitar player. But there's a lot of guys, like I said, in Nashville, and I can say guys, I mean guys, girls, in Nashville that can really play. Yep. But almost none of them have any unique quality about them, well, <laughs> or at least a lot of them. And so, like, Billy Gibbons, though, like, I feel like you can notice his shtick, like, instantly. Once you know what it is, um, he has this way he plays. Um, it's funny. I remember... The, the reason I even checked it out to begin with was I watched this Sean Lane video mm. and Sean was talking about his influences or whatever. And he was like, he's like, man, I've stole so much stuff from Billy Gibbons. And there's, he's like, there's this thing I do with the D string. this like little vibrato. And he was like showing this vibrato technique thing he did. And I was like, it just sounds awesome. <laughs> so then you're like, okay, well I didn't even know Billy Gibbons was like that, you know? And then you go dig in and there's all this like great Billy Gibbons playing. Mm-hmm. And it's very, I want to say almost unique in a way, except for people that have copied it. Yeah. And everybody does that. And that's not a bad thing. You know, no, it's, no, no, it's like, fine. They copied it, but he actually paved the way for something, I guess is my point. Yeah. It's like, you can tell Steve Vai, you know, like instantly. Right. I mean, it doesn't take yeah. two seconds. You could tell it's Alan Holdsworth, mm-hmm. Tom McLaughlin, Eddie Van Halen, Ingve, or these people, whether you like them or not, like they're instantly recognizable. Pat Metheny, yep. Yep. John Scofield. I mean, like within like two notes, you're like, that's, that's Schofield. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a like one of the students that I have now mentioned that it's like, oh yeah, Schofield, Matheny, Alan Holdsworth. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. All <laughs> that's, right. That's who, that's all. I, I just want to be that good. That's all. Yeah. And I'm like, you think I can get there by the end of the semester? That's the most exciting to me. When people are dropping names like that, yeah. you know, it, it, it means that uh, uh, they, they know where they're heading. Like well, they, they know have what's a, good too, right? Yes. And that's what I was going to say. They're heading in a good direction as well. It's not like. Um, no, well, poor direction. <laughs> yeah. It's not a like, poor direction. Wait, wait, wait. Before we go on this path. I'll let me tell you a story about Blues Traveler. <laughs> yeah. And, and, no, I dropped the Metheny thing. I'm like, dude, the guy does nothing but practice. Yeah. Like, nothing but. And I uh, mean, he's I, a special case in terms of popularity and financial, like, he made it, you know. Mm-hmm. 
But that's partly because of the error he was in and then some of the other music that he made that yeah. um, was more poppy or whatever. So, And that happened to be really big at the time. It was new and cool and all that stuff. Hey, even Kenny G made it for some reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I guess my, my point there was like, so Alan Holdsworth was playing like to fifty people, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, you know, it's like, and that's what kind of what Matt mentioned. You know, in one sense, we'd love to make the money, but at yeah. the same time, would we really? Like, you I'd know, love to it, sacrifice that. The other thing, the other thing is more, yeah. worth more than the money, no doubt. Yeah. Hands down, like yeah. hands down, you know, it's like, I would love to be able to completely support everything in my family without having to worry about it. Yeah. Like that would be awesome. Never having, And then I could trap myself in my room and do nothing but practice at least for six hours a day while my kids were at school. Did, did you ever <laughs> see that interview with Holdsworth and they're like, um, this, this girl, like she was, I think she's well, really well-meaning. She was interviewing him and she's like, so why don't you just, you know, we've all heard this. Why don't you just make a pop song? You know, and then you, because he was, he was kind of like, you know, it's tough, you know, we don't make a lot of money and we're like, we're kind of living in a van, (laughs) you know, he's like, I'm on the cover of Guitar Magazine, but I'm like, can't afford whatever, you know, Um, he's like, something doesn't make sense. He's like, people are making lots of money off of me, but I'm not making any money. But uh, yeah, anyway, he's like, she's like, why don't you just write a pop song, you know, and then you you can live on it. He's like, well. He's like, let's just say that I did that, and let's just say that it was good, and it went, it got popular, and it actually made me money. But then the fans who liked that music came to see me play. They wouldn't like it, like they mm-hmm. would, they would come there and be like, "Wait, I thought I was gonna get this thing." Yeah, not this. You know, this doesn't make. The, they would. So then he would be playing to all these people that hated it, like they would hate it because they were expecting the pop thing, which he didn't really want to do and not the, so like, what kind of life is that? Like to, to play to fans that like, Oh, I thought this was going to be, I thought this was uh Katy Perry stuff. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Not a yeah. crazy atonal, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Alan's hardly crazy atonal. Uh, Sometimes. Most yeah. Of the time. yeah. I was going to say most of the time. It's, uh, well, I guess my point is that, that you know, yeah, you guys get my point. Yeah, I know. But I, I thought it. it was really well spoken because we always hear yeah. like people always say that, like as a musician, like, why don't you just you usually play all this crazy stuff? How come you're not on the radio? Just, just write, like, just do one album, just write one album of pop songs, then you can just live off that the rest of your life. Oh yeah, because <laughs> there isn't like a million people trying to yeah, do that. Exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> that. That's the reality check number one. Number two is exactly what uh, Alan brought yeah. up. It, now, I would counterpoint that a little bit and be like, well, you never know. You might get some a huge amount of new fans that would never have gone to your music had you not had that gateway. Yeah, but the majority of them are going to – the new fans are going to be like, this is horrible. Why did they make this other stuff? <laughs> yeah, and then, then they'll leave, whatever. But you know, th- that would be my take on it. Well, now, I wouldn't intentionally go and do a quote-unquote pop song to that degree. I mean I say that as I just worked on one with a producer – <laughs> like right. a couple of months ago um you know for another project uh and that just kind of like flowed out of other things that we were working on but the uh like if i if somebody came in and absolutely requested that 
that that'd be tough, you know. That that would be like this new product that I or the product that I just finished at least the initial engraving with. Um, it just that when I finally got to software that was intuitive for me, <laughs> it just like that was it. I was hooked. Um, you know, which it could be an entirely different subject. And of course, we finally find our way. <laughs> close to the end, the end of the time, you know, but maybe next time we'll visit engra engraving and transcription software and how much, here's the question and, and think on this and we'll try not to discuss it for the next week. So we talked about how having a good instrument makes it easier to learn to play, which it clearly does. If you, ha if you have one where the strings are six inches off the fretboard or whatever, you're going to have a yeah. bad time. You know, and there's a, a happy medium in terms of the beginner's price. We, we get all those particular things. Does the same apply to software interaction in terms of writing, recording, and, and all those particular things? Um, and I'm going to stop with that question. Yeah. And maybe we should stop the podcast right there because I know that if, we, if that lingers, we're going to It's like sit on your hands and shut your mouth type I'll, of thing. I'll uh, sidestep though for a second is... Okay, sidestep my, away. Uh, my daughter is starting clarinet and I happen to have a very nice clarinet. Um, oh, nice. My wife had a clarinet or Kate had a clarinet and uh, it was a pretty good one. But my dad started playing at one point and we traded, I traded this keyboard, this Kurzweil keyboard for the clarinet, which anyway, and then he actually traded that clarinet up to get a really nice, like Selmer wood, awesome, nice clarinet. So, Anyway, she's starting clarinet on that really nice clarinet. There you go. You know, we're like every other kid's getting these like plastic clarinets or whatever that they're renting. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, okay, well, if she takes to it, like she's going to have a clear advantage. Because if you ever, I play a little bit of clarinet um, and I, I can play most wind instruments a little bit. But uh, anyway, I've played the really cheap ones too. And I know what that's like compared to this. This is a really nice, like, this is probably like a $2,000 plus new clarinet. Um, you know, so it's just, it's, she's got the advantage here now. She actually wants to do clarinet, you know. So she played violin last year. So <laughs> I don't have any, like, skin in the game whether she's going to actually stick to it or not, but. Was actually kind of cool. I'm gonna sidetrack slightly. I actually have a really nice flute too, and she was looking at. Um, she actually was gonna do flute, and then we kind of played with it at the house. I'm like, hey, here's the flute. Played a little bit for, her, play a little bit on the clarinet, and then she tried both of them, and she like she actually liked the clarinet better. Hmm. So they kind of did that in school, I guess, but she didn't really get to like fumble around with them and kind of like feel it and just yeah hear what it, oh i mean having it at home gives it a distinct yeah so it was, that was really cool actually so she's like oh, I almost okay did flute when i was in school I almost did flute for orchestra man All, I, I i heard a story too this drove me crazy i remember i wanted to play trombone i think it was fourth grade or going in the fifth grade or whatever and i like for whatever reason couldn't do it like the band director was like no, sorry, you have to play drums or whatever. You know, that was the thing. Like, um, and she was telling me about a friend of hers who wanted to play trumpet, but there, or no, it's percussion. And they were like, no, you can't play percussion. You have to play flute or something. 
So it's like, why do band directors do that? Man, we should talk about that sometime. I just ran into that. I got a student uh, in Florida, and they're uh, that obviously they take guitar with me. Yeah. And I was they're in jazz van, and I'm like, oh, you're playing guitar in jazz van? You know, like sweet, let's do it. You know. Yeah. She's like, no, they uh, they they want me to play saxophone. You know, so she's playing saxophone. She's playing like three different instruments: guitar, yeah. saxophone, some other one, but uh, that I can't remember. But I, I was just like, a guitar would fill it up like completely because there the reason they pushed her to saxophone is there was only only going to be one saxophone if it wasn't her, so they couldn't have like the band thing. And I'm like, well, I, I, I okay, I, I understand that point, you know. But um, now she played it before. No. Yeah. So I'm just like, but at the same time. You can ha- you have a multi voice supporting instrument that you can use that right. you're a little bit more familiar with, you know, than 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 a saxophone. But that's funny. Whatever. That reminds me. So when I went to Mount Union my first year of college, um, you had to be in one of the major ensembles. That was a requirement, which was either the choir or the wind ensemble. And it's like, well, I'm a guitar. Like I play guitar, you know. Mm-hmm. So. And I had played percussion in like middle school or whatever, and I could, I knew I could do that. Um, but I was like, you know what, I'm gonna do saxophone. Like, like they're like, you, we'll let you borrow instruments and stuff. So I actually did saxophone. I did, and that was one of the better decisions I ever made. I think in terms of music, cool. I learned a lot, and now I can play. You know, I can play these instruments. And then the the what was cool? I actually got like free lessons from on saxophone and trumpet. The band director there, um, his also the name was Tim. So of course he was great. <laughs> he would be like, "Hey, come to my like." He didn't charge me for it or whatever. He like I didn't. It wasn't a credit. So I would go and get trumpet lessons for half an hour once a week and saxophone lessons once a week. Hmm. Um, it was great. Um, biggest thing is that did he announce himself saying you may call me Tim that's the way I announce myself that's how we should start the podcast (laughs) there are those who call me Tim Tim oh man such a good film yeah classic classic work anyway yeah so we can talk about the Software. software the software interface type of thing that uh that that could be interesting and i know we're going to be sitting on our hands for like the next week <laughs> try to write it down and remember because then it'll, try to be write easy. It down it'll be easy and i won't I'll try not to think about it yeah well i mean i want to think about it but at the same time i don't want to text you about it because otherwise it'll be like we'll have this huge thread about it yeah. It's like actually, we're just going to have Siri read this conversation, yeah. <laughs> and that's a podcast. <laughs> you ever see a uh, Real Geniuses? You ever seen that movie with Val yep. Kilmer? And yep. there's like the kid goes to the first class, and there's uh people are putting their tape recorders, but they're like real to real tape recorders in the class, <laughs> and then like by like the you know sometime later during the montage, of course. He goes back in there, and the, even the teacher put like a tape player in the front, <laughs> so they're playing the tapes, or they're all reel to reels, like reel to reels yeah, and the reel to reels in the seat. He's the only one in class. <laughs> <laughs> that could be us. Watch Real yeah. Geniuses too. That's your homework. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a great film. And have some popcorn while you're at it. Oh, mm-hmm. there it is. <laughs> You'll get the joke when you see the film. So. <laughs> 
Oh, All right, let's call it. Oh, I think we've wasted everyone's time enough. This was a time, fun time way to sing catching up episode. Yeah. So. All right. We have more cool guests coming too. Yep. We have a couple lined up. We're just getting them and organized schedules wise. So I was trying to get my finger to go on your screen, but it didn't work. It, it's it, sorry. It, it cut you off. You pull back a bloody stump. What is going on? Yeah. So, and that's when the careers ended. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll catch you next week. Later.